Welcome to day 143 of Shaped by the Word, season two, the drama of scripture. I'm Paul Kemp here with Cindy Kemp, David Keefe, and Matt Kresge as we continue our journey through the book of 1 Samuel, transitional book. Israel has cried out for a king. God has has given them a king. Uh, Samuel has uh, met him and taken him to the high place uh, to offer sacrifices, giving him a choice piece of meat in order to signify God's favor. He's anointed him. He's I kissed him, showing his loyalty to the one, you know, that God has chosen. And he's offered him three, you know, kind of peculiar signs that would make this very evident, you know, to Saul that God indeed had chosen him as king. And uh, we see the fulfillment of those as we come uh, to verse 9 of chapter 10 and continue through uh, chapter 11. But as we always do, when we um, read God's word, uh, we, we slow ourselves down. Uh, to realize that we've come into the presence of God and what a gift we have of a of a word from God that is breathed out by His Spirit and is useful to teach us, rebuke us, correct us, train us in righteousness so that we are fully equipped for every good work that He has called us to in Christ Jesus. And of course, what a reminder, what we are called to is to, to do good works which He has ordained ahead of time that we might walk in them and, and reveal His heart and His character. So scripture is not merely to inspire us, to make us feel good, to fill our heads with you know, great theological knowledge. It is to change our heart and character and cause us to be engaged in God's work and God's way and God's time in our world that we live in. So we have so much to ask of God as we humbly come into his presence. So David, why don't you, uh, why don't you uh, offer this moment uh, as we all offer ourselves uh, up to the Lord? Yeah, let's pray. Father, we do ask that as we slow down and and fix our attention, which is often in so many other places, as we fix our attention now to your word, that you would do the great work that only you can do. Um, Renew our hearts, restore our hearts' affections, help us to to see beautiful things from your word today. And we ask you would do this all for, for your glory. Help us to behold how wonderful and how beautiful you are. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're starting in uh, chapter 10 of 1 Samuel, picking up in verse 9. This all turned to leave Samuel. God changed Saul's heart, and all these signs were fulfilled that day. When he and his servant arrived at Gibeah, a procession of prophets met him. The Spirit of God came powerful upon him, and he joined in their prophesying. When all those who had formerly known him saw him prophesying with the prophets, they asked each other, What is this that has happened to the son of Kish, the Saul also among the prophets? A man who lived there answered, and who is their father? So it became a saying, is Saul also among the prophets? After Saul stopped prophesying, he went to the high place. Now Saul's uncle asked him and his servant, where have you been? Looking for donkeys, he said. But when he saw that they were not to be, but when we saw that they were not to be found, we went to Samuel. Saul's uncle asked, tell me, what did Samuel say to you? Saul replied, he assured us that the donkeys had been found, but he did not tell his uncle what Samuel had said about kingship. Samuel summoned the people of Israel to the Lord at Mitzvah and said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought Israel up out of Egypt, and I delivered you from the power of Egypt and all the kingdoms that oppressed you. But you have now rejected your God, who saves you out of all your disasters and calamities. And you have said, No, appoint a king over us. So now present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and clans. Samuel had all Israel come forward by tribes. The tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. Then he brought forward the tribe of Benjamin, clan by clan, and Matri's clan was taken. 
Finally, Saul, son of Kish, was taken. But when they looked for him, he was not to be found. So they inquired further of the Lord, has a man come here yet? And the Lord said, yes, he has hidden himself among the supplies. They ran and brought him out, and as he stood among the people, he was a head taller than any of the others. Samuel said to the people, do you see the man the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among all the people. Then the people shouted, long live the king. Samuel explained to the people the rights and duties of kingship. He wrote them down on a scroll and deposited it before the Lord. Then Samuel dismissed the people to go to their own towns. Saul also went up to his home in Gibeah, accompanied by valiant men whose hearts God had touched. But some scoundrel said, how can this fellow save us? They despised him and brought him no gifts, but Saul kept silent. Naash, the Ammonite, went up and besieged Jabesh Gilead, and all the men of Jabesh said to him, Make a treaty with us, and we will be subject to you. But Naash, the Ammonite, replied, I will make a treaty with you only on the condition that I gouge out the right eye of every one of you, and so bring, so bring disgrace on all of Israel. The elders of Jabesh said to him, Give us seven days so we can send messengers throughout Israel. If no one comes to rescue us, we will surrender to you. When the messengers came to Gibeah of Saul and reported these terms to the people, they all wept aloud. Just then Saul was returning from the fields behind his oxen, and he asked, What is wrong with everyone? Why are they weeping? When they repeated to him what the men of Jabesh had said, when Saul heard their words, the Spirit of God came powerful upon him, and he burned with anger. He took a pair of oxen, cut them into pieces, and sent the pieces by messengers throughout Israel, proclaiming, This is what will be done to the oxen of anyone who does not follow Saul and Samuel. Then the terror of the Lord fell on the people, and they came out together as one. When Saul mustered them at Bezek, the men of Israel numbered 300,000, and those of Judah, 30,000. They told the messengers who had come, say to the men of Jabesh Gilead, by the time the sun is hot tomorrow, you will be rescued. When the messengers went and reported this to the men of Jabesh, they were elated. They said to the Ammonites, tomorrow we will surrender to you and you can do to us whatever you like. The next day Saul separated his men into three divisions. During the last watch of the night, they broke into the camp of the Ammonites and they slaughtered them until the end of the day. Those who survived were scattered so that no two of them were left together. The people then said to Samuel, Who was it that asked, Shall Saul reign over us? Turn these men over to us, so that we may put them to death. But Saul said, No one will be put to death today, for this day the Lord has rescued Israel. Then Samuel said to the people, Come, let us go to Gilgal, and there renew the kingship. So all the people went to Gilgal and made Saul king in the presence of the Lord. There they sacrificed fellowship offerings before the Lord, and Saul and all the Israelites held a great celebration interesting start to the uh, to the reign of Saul mm -hmm. I find uh, particularly inter interesting he knows that he is the one that's going to be anointed mm -hmm. as king but he's hiding among the supplies mm -hmm. uh, as, as this happens maybe he's hoping somehow the lot will fall to somebody else mm -hmm. not quite you know sure exactly what he's happening he has a kingly bearing he's as handsome as anyone in all of Israel and he's a head taller you know than everyone else but he is a bit timid you know when it comes to taking leadership and of course Samuel has told him because God's hand is on you do whatever your heart desires to do because God is you know God is with you and so we find you know in this particular scene he goes back to plowing um, <laughs> so his first act as king is yeah. I'm just going to do what I do and uh, that's where we find him uh, you know, in, the, in this particular instance so what are some of the things that you know stand out in, in, in this in this passage initially for me just thinking about this moment and 
I mean, again, we, we've seen and we've, we've highlighted this, that Israel's cry for a king to be like other nations, you know, just missed the mark altogether. There was a rejection of God. And, mm-hmm. and again, when Samuel summons the people, he says, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I brought, I brought Israel up out of Egypt and I delivered you from the power of Egypt and all the kingdoms that oppressed you. But you have now rejected your God who saves you. you know, and he says, so now I'm going to present to you your king. If I'm Saul in that moment, I'm thinking, I'm not sh- I'm not sure I'm supposed to to want to be king here. You know, I mean, yeah, really. Maybe there's a reason I'm hiding. Actually, actually Saul yeah. was not even there to hear the speech. He's <laughs> yeah. hiding among the, ca- the camel saddles, <laughs> you know, over off of, off off of the side. Yeah. But just how yeah. many times? And we've mentioned this on the podcast some. But how many times God does call His people to remember what He's done, mm-hmm. and and the people continue to just rebel, choose other things, look in other directions. Uh, the, I think they stop marveling at, at the grace of God. No, there's no doubt about rescuing. it. If there could be a theme for all of us as God's people, it, it would really be how quickly we forget. Uh, you know, how quickly we forget, you know, the goodness of His grace working in us to rescue us, you know, from sin, the moments that He has deeply, you know, come through for us, the moments He's given us, you know, great comfort, the joy we have, you know, from walking with Him. We, we often forget those things and sin. You know, look around us and want to be like everybody else. We want a king like they have. We yeah. want a, you know, a house like they have. We want a job like they have, garages like they have, status like they have, looks like they have, and, and we covet the wrong thing. And, and of course, as you know, as uh, you know, Samuel reminds Israel that, that God has rescued you. They're looking to a king for rescue. Yeah, that's part of the reason they they want a king. We want a king to be like the other nations. They have one to go out and fight our battles for us. Okay. Well, the Lord had been doing that for them with a pretty high rate of success uh, as he led them into battle and they fully trusted you know in him but uh, they want something physical something tangible something mm-hmm. yeah. you know that they can see now we've already alluded a little bit you know to the comedy aspect of this chapter but it mean it's just like these people think they they want what they want and they want this king and god's like you're rejecting me and look what I've done for you already. And then they're like, well, is the king even here yet? And then God, like, they don't even know. And the God's like, yeah, he's hiding over there. And so they, they have no clue. And then they get in this really tense situation where they might have to lose all their right eyes, right? And then they kind of look to Saul, but it's only even when he's empowered by the spirit that he's actually able to even accomplish this task. And so you just see God, like he's He's with them. And, and they... They're so naively kind of rejecting him and, and wanting to put their hope in this guy, but even he can't do what they even want him to do except yeah. for God being faithful to empower him to do the task. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, you know, it's not often that we think of anger as a fruit of the Spirit, uh, but God, uh, you know, God's uh, Spirit comes on him, becomes a different person, and he is, you know, immediately, you know, filled, you know, filled with anger. And, of course, when the things that anger God, anger us, our hearts, you know, are in tune with him, uh, God is able, however, to hold anger in a way that we are not. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, Paul would advise us, you know, in your anger, do not sin. He's not saying we sin by being in anger. In your anger, do not sin. And do not let the sun go down on your your anger. The longer we hold it, the more toxic it, it, it becomes. But, but anger is a, a quality that comes from God's justice. When he sees injustice, he responds. Whether it's the injustice in us or the injustice in the world around us, he responds in, in anger and wrath. And, and here Saul is, is reflecting the heart and character of God over the oppression, severe you know, oppression, uh, oppression of his people. It's kind of interesting to me, too. I mean, that the king is a man that is... <laughs> 
head and shoulders, maybe uh, taller than everyone else, and he's supposed at to at least be, a head taller. Yeah, <laughs> we're not sure <laughs> about the shoulders. Be, yeah. Loving their heads. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's supposed to it's supposed to be the most handsome man in all of Israel and all these things, and it makes you just think of not again, exactly the most handsome, but he is as handsome as, as handsome. any man you yeah. can find in the nation of Israel. Yeah. But I mean, I continue to just see that these are all such worldly attributes that, you know, the people look for in a king and what they want, and they want someone who's brave and who will lead them into battle and all these things. No, the way they yet, say it is, is, is interesting, yeah. to fight our battles for us. Yes, exactly. Oh, and yet, you know, I think of Jesus, our king and our savior, who had no great, had, had a, a very common appearance and was, was low, you know, was lowly to, you know, As to, Isaiah describes right. him, there's mm-hmm. nothing in his bearing that would attract yeah. us to him. Um, he was, you know, despised and rejected mm-hmm. as one from whom men's and her turn their faces. Right. But there is, you know, there is quite the contrast from mm-hmm. what we look for in a leader and, and what God has provided. And of course, God's provision is always incredible. You, you do love at this point, you know, that Saul says, you know, nobody's going to die here today mm-hmm. because the Lord has accomplished a great victory, mm-hmm. you know, for Israel. So we, we see something that we're going to lose lose quickly in the narrative, you know, ahead. We, mm-hmm. we do see, you know, at this point, a humble Saul who is empowered by the Spirit of God and who is giving you know giving credit to God for what has been accomplished and, and hosting a great celebration of the victory that God has provided I do see in this the the, the people's question um, you know they said to Samuel who was it that asked shall Saul reign over us you know should we put them to death if, mm-hmm. if only the people of God were as excited about vindicating the name of God or honoring the name of God mm-hmm. as they are now with Saul's I mean we would never be in, in this place and and so, I mean I just see even just considering my own my own life and how many times I get excited about certain things or you know yeah. I want to hold on to these things or honor these things and just a mm-hmm. failure in turn to to do the same to uphold yeah. the name of God and, and vindicate his name and we're, we're often more concerned about the honor of our favorite uh, you know collegiate football team you know than we are mm-hmm. you know about the honor in the name name of the Lord mm-hmm. and, and more famous for for loving sports or hobbies or things like that than we are famous you know for for loving the lord and and so our affections like our enthusiasm are often you know misguided and we attach them you know to you know to wrong things and so whenever jesus says you know if anyone you know comes after me he must hate his father and mother his sister and brother yes even his own life his wife and children yes even his own life mm-hmm. uh, or he cannot be my disciple he's, he's not talking about a lack of enthusiasm for any one of those but he's talking about an enthusiasm for me that is that is so great, you know, that it shadows uh, all, of, all of the other, you know, uh, all of your other passions, you know, put together. And it's cool, the little gospel scene at the end as well that we, we've been talking about, but, you know, Saul kind of has this authority to kind of execute justice on these men, but he gives life Mercy. instead, you know, mm-hmm. and man, if that's not a picture of what we've received, you know, in Christ, someone who could absolutely execute justice on us for what we have done mm-hmm. yet he graciously gives life and so even though Saul is so far from the heart of God at times we do see he is in line with the heart of God at yeah. times as well which is an encouragement yeah and then of course you have a great celebration I think I heard a sermon not long ago about the importance of meals uh, you know in, in, in yep. the heart of fellowship of, of God and of course mm-hmm. the importance of celebrating in all good things you know with God and offering <laughs> back to him Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for Scripture. Uh, we thank you as we look into Scripture. We 
not only see your majesty and your glory, but we, we see ourselves for who we are. Uh, and Father, we, we thank you that in seeing uh, who we are and who you are, that you use your word to transform us. And we pray that you will do that in this day. That you continue the good work you began in this moment. We received Christ Jesus the Lord. And Father, we trust you for your promise that you will carry it on to completion in him. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen.